Good morning, Sterling. Oh, we can do a little bit better than that. It's already 10 a.m. I'm already one class down and back asleep by now. Good morning, Sterling. All right, that's a little bit better. Uh, as Paul so graciously put this morning, I uh, am Nathan, and I am unfortunately from McPherson College, uh, but I am glad to be here this morning with you guys today. Um, I, I did have a little bit uh, up on the slides to introduce myself to you this morning. Um, other than being a student at McPherson College, of which I am a sophomore and a communications major and a Spanish minor, um, I am an American adult, however. We'll get there. All right. Uh, other than that, uh, I am also a drummer. I have uh, played drums for about 10 years now. Uh, that picture there was just a couple weeks ago. I played a show with uh, a singer named Ryan Shaban at the fair, playing again uh, here in a little bit. And that picture on the right, that is me at my job. I've worked at the Cosmosphere for about three years now. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been. It's a space museum out of Hutchinson. Um, that is me blowing up a cotton ball soaked in liquid oxygen. Um, I'm a rocket science educator and a planetarium operator. I also give tours, sell tickets, and run the theater. So I tend to do a lot over there, but most importantly, I am your guys' chapel speaker this morning, and I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Um, now, I have prepared a message for us this morning called Three Steps to Becoming a Tool. <laughs> now, of course, it's not going to be that kind of tool. That's uh, obviously not something that we really like being called today. But uh, we're going to be studying 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 22, uh, where Paul tells us that everyone is some type of tool. Now, you can be a tool for honorable use or for dishonorable use, but we are going to be studying how we can become a tool that is useful for God's work. Now, uh, we are going to be studying verse 22, but I did want to give us a few uh, verses prior to that just to give us a little bit of context for this verse. Uh, now, speaking of context, if you are unfamiliar with the book of 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Now, Paul uh, is writing to his uh, companion in ministry, and he's writing to a very young minister. Now, Paul is writing with a sense of urgency because he fears that this might be his very last letter. Uh, he's enduring one of his uh, very long prison sentences for sharing the gospel and planting churches. And so he's writing to Timothy in order to encourage him in his ministry um, and to forewarn him about some of the things that are going on in Timothy's area, uh, such as preachers teaching false gospels, uh, and the church really kind of acting up as the church did uh, throughout history up until today. Now, uh, with that, he is also writing to Timothy to somewhat take his place, as he fears this might be uh, his time coming up. He fears he might not make it through the upcoming winter. But if you guys would read with me before we actually dive in, uh, now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And then in verse 22, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So again, before we dive into this actual message, uh, Paul is kind of dividing those three verses into three separate sections. He's giving us the parameters for what is uh, a useful tool uh, that would be useful to the master of the house. And verse 21 kind of tells us why we would want to do that. And verse 22 tells us how we can do that, how we can become a useful tool. 
But before we actually jump into the study, uh, I would like if you guys would pray with me for a moment. Dear Lord, I thank you for this absolutely beautiful uh, Wednesday morning. I thank you for my safe travels here, and I, I thank you that these students have made it to chapel this morning. Lord, just like we said this morning in worship, there is power in your name. There's power in the name, Jesus. And Lord, I cannot thank you enough that you have given us the ability to praise you, to say your name, to sing your praises. Lord, I pray this morning that these students, uh, this location, that nobody would hear what I have to say, because you, you have not given me any sort of power. Lord, that you would speak through me this morning, that you would be able to get to these students, that uh, these students and this faculty, their hearts, their minds, their ears would be open to hearing what you have to say this morning. And Lord, uh, just as you have challenged me with this passage, Lord, I, I pray that you continue to challenge us this morning. Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we kind of dive into this passage, uh, since it's not super long, let's go ahead and reread just verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, what is our first step in becoming a useful tool? First, we must identify your passions. Now, that word passions, it's something that we use a lot today. Um, you might already have in mind something that you are passionate about. You could say, yeah, I'm passionate about football, I'm passionate about soccer, I'm passionate about volleyball, or e even music, or even school. But while you think of that, I'd like for you to keep that or those things in mind as we continue to study uh, what those kind of passions are. Because as the verse says, we're to flee our youthful passions. So what makes it a youthful passion? Well, we will go ahead and talk about that here in just a minute. But why are we to flee these youthful passions? Well, if we're looking at the words themselves, youthful in the original Greek means youth. <laughs> There's not a whole lot to unpack there. It just means youthful. But if we look at the following word, passions, that's where we kind of get to dive into a little bit of word study there. Uh, that word uh, passions is epithemia, which means lusts or desires. Go ahead and talk about lust for a second. <laughs> or not. Let's not talk about lust. Uh, but in all actuality, if we are looking at the context of this passage, Paul is writing to a young man who is going to be stepping into a very influential and important uh, role in the church. And so in all actuality, he is telling Paul, you know, keep yourself in line uh, because there are certain things that look good for the church and don't look good for the church. And there are things that we have been called to uh, walk away from. So, yes, lust does apply there, but also if we look at the second word, their desires. That's where we kind of tend to fall into uh, uh, some murky water when we're looking at our passions. Uh, what do you desire? What do you want? Uh, what is taking up all of your time and all of your attention? And what is your life focused around? Now, you can have any number of answers to that, and this, is tend to, uh, this tends to be where things get a little confusing because we've heard, and it is true, that anything you do and anything you love, you can do for the Lord. And that is absolutely true. I'm not going to challenge that at all. You can do anything for the glory of the Lord. It's, uh, it's something that Scripture tells us we can do and that we're encouraged to do. But what makes it youthful? Well, just looking at the word youthful, kids. Kids are youthful. And what do kids like? Anything that matters to them. <laughs> Really nothing outside of that child's life means anything. It's all about what they want. It's what they like and what they want to do. So that's why we have so many temper tantrums being thrown at Walmarts, because a kid doesn't get what they want. 
And so what are our youthful passions? Well, it's something that we want that benefits nobody else. It's something that we're taking away from God so that we can do what we want. It's the talents that he's given us and we enjoy, but we're doing it for ourselves. We're doing it because we want to do it, not because it's for the glory of the Lord, but it's, it's really very kind of selfish. Now, kids get a pass on that because they're kids. They don't really know any better, but uh, hopefully they'll grow out of it eventually. But uh, we tend to not give so much of a pass to adults who do that. Or at least we hope not, but we do tend to see it still. But with that, we as uh, adults and as Christians, we're still going to act like this from time to time because we tend to develop blind spots. Uh, especially we'll develop blind spots to things in our lives that we don't want to see as being youthful passions. We want to continue to see them as, yes, I'm serving the Lord by doing this. But if we tend to develop those blind spots, we'll just more than likely convince ourselves that we're doing something for the Lord when really it is kind of selfish. Now, it, on the topic of blind spots, uh, let me ask you a pretty random question. Who here is still driving their very first car? All right, a couple of us. All right, well, you can go ahead and keep your hands up. Uh, who as well is not driving their first car is glad that they are no longer driving their first car. All right, that would be the vast majority of us. Uh, all right, so who said that they were driving their first car? All right, what do you drive? Kia Optima. Kia Optima, all right. That's in it for the long haul. Anybody else? All right, what do you drive? Nissan Sentry, all right. These are not bad cars. Uh, well, well uh, let me go ahead and show you my first car. <laughs> that is a beautiful 1996 Chevy Corsica. And that was a car, <laughs> mostly. Uh, this, uh, this was my very first car. It was also my brother's first car, um, and it mostly served the purpose of being a car. Um, however, I did push it far more than I drove it. Uh, yeah, there was nothing worse than uh, driving it to and from work in the summer in the middle of the hot Kansas heat, uh, trying to push it backwards, you know, out of a ditch, because, you know, it stops working, rolls, you end up in a ditch. That's, you know, first car things. Uh, but if you look, those side view mirrors um, are what we would like to call useless. They're about this big. You can see about a quarter of a car through it. But if you look even closer at the windshield, uh, you'll notice another fantastic feature about this particular 1996 Chevy Corsica. There is no rear view mirror. Um, there used to be one, but... Uh, I played tennis in high school, and one day after tennis practice, I pulled up to a quick shop, and as soon as I put it in park, it just dropped straight out from the ceiling. Um, apparently, the sheer force of the car not moving anymore was enough for it to uh, partially dismantle this beautiful vehicle. But needless to say, that created quite the blind spot for me. Uh, I was no longer able to see about 75% of the vehicles or environment behind me. Um, and as I was about a sophomore in high school at this time, I didn't have any money to fix it. I certainly didn't have any money to get a newer car, and so uh, I didn't fix it. What I did was I had my buddy Max ride with me, and any time I needed to change lanes, um, if I ever desired to take it on the highway, um, he would go ahead and crank down that window and just look out behind us. He would tell me if I was good to change lanes or not. <laughs> Efficient as it was, um, I feel like this is where a lot of us are as Christians. Um, we've tended to develop these blind spots. Some things in our life have tend to, or some things in our lives have broken down, and instead of fixing them, we just kind of covered it up and said, "You know what? It's all right. I still got side view mirrors. You know, I've still got this problem in my life, but you know, it's all right. I still go to church. I still go to chapel. I still pray every now and then. But what I think we really might need is a buddy Max to sit in the passenger seat and identify where our blind spot is. Maybe we need a buddy." 
to sit there and he's not going to be able to tell us the desires of our heart, but he's going to be able to point out if we're doing something wrong. So maybe we need some accountability. Because just as children, they don't know any better than to throw tantrums in Walmart because they didn't get what they want. They have parents to keep them in line. Or more than likely at Walmart, they're not keeping them in line, but theoretically that's what they're there for. So we need a buddy to help keep us in line. And so we are to flee our youthful passions, but we can't do that unless we know what those passions are. So the first step in becoming a useful tool is identifying those passions and determining if they're youthful. Is that for my purpose? Is it for God's purpose? So if the first thing we have to do is identify our passions, the second thing we must do is we need to act quickly. Now, why exactly is that? Well, where do we find that in the passage? Well, if we're looking, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Those words flee and pursue, those are opposites. He's telling us to do two separate things. It's very clear. He has two separate instructions. Flee your youthful passions and pursue those good qualities. Now, those words in and of themselves, flee and pursue, as they are opposites, they also derive from words that intend or uh, imply a quick action. Uh, that word flee comes fuego in the original Greek, uh, means to escape, to release quickly, or to disappear rapidly. Again, that's a very quick action. Um, and pursue, on the opposite end of that, uh, it is derived from the original word dioko, which means to hasten or to run after. So what Paul's telling Timothy here is that these are not things that you get to do on your own time. These are not things that you get to decide when it's right for you and when you want to do it. You're not waiting for the right time, and you're certainly not waiting for whenever somebody else starts, and you'll just follow along. These are things that you are called to do quickly or to hasten after these things, righteousness, faith, and love. But how fast should we run? And honestly, if nobody else knows why we're to be running after them, because nobody can know the desire of my heart, well, who can tell me when to run? And, you know, who's, who's here to tell me what my youthful passions are? And only God can judge me. Well, okay, if you don't mind me going off script for just a moment, that term or that phrase, only God can judge me, that is just so blatantly wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I know a lot of people tend to say it, and there, there are hints of truth within that phrase, you know, only God can judge me. But not really. Uh, especially as Christians, we are held to a higher standard and we're to be uh, judged by one another. We're to be, uh, not to be the judge, jury, and executioner of you know, the people around us, but we are called to be fruit inspectors. So, yeah, you can't continue to say only God can judge me when God's judgment is the only judgment that you're no longer listening to. So, that's getting back on topic now. But, you have to act quickly. But how quickly should you act? Because we're only people, and we know we're not perfect, and that's the standard that we're never going to reach, but we are still to pursue that level that God has set for us. But when we're running quick enough that we can no longer rely on ourselves, I think that's a good place to start. Um, now, one thing I didn't include on what I did, uh, or what I do, is I, I still I skateboard a lot. Um, I used to a lot more in high school, and there was actually a good amount of time where I was actually a sponsored skater. I, I, was, a, I was a park rat. I was there every single day with that same buddy of mine, Max, and uh, I was working on it. There was nothing better than going fast, uh, especially before you could drive. Uh, you, you just want to go fast some way. So I know some of you probably skateboard or longboard. It's a nice, efficient way to get around town, uh, but my brother and I longboarded places for uh, a good long time, and 
One time we were on a family vacation in Arkansas, and if you're a Kansas native, believe it or not, there are actually places that have hills. That's just a beautiful thing that I was unaware of. But Arkansas is one of those places that has hills. Uh, and while we were visiting a family friend, uh, my brother and I, we both had our longboards with us, and uh, we thought, oh, we could go so fast down some of these hills. That would be fantastic. And so uh, while uh, we were talking with our family friends, we, uh, my brother and I snuck out, and we went to some of these hills, and we were cruising down. Now, if you've ever seen downhill longboarding as a sport, people that do it professionally, that is intense. Not something you can just pick up for fun uh, over a weekend. That's something I know now. Uh, but we were on our longboards, and we were going down some of these hills, and some of these hills got really, really large. But we were going so fast already, and we were actually handling it pretty well. I thought, oh, well, we'll just keep going. And we eventually came to one of these hills, and as we you know, hit the peak of it, we looked down and noticed it was much larger and much steeper than any of the other hills. But if you've ever been you know, riding a skateboard and going at a decent amount of speed, you can't just stop that. You just got to uh, ride it out. And so we went over this hill. Both of us knew that we weren't going to be able to handle it, but uh, once again, if you've ever been on a skateboard or uh, something of the sort going very quickly, there's a thing called speed wobbles that tend to happen. And that means the board starts to shake, and it keeps shaking faster the faster you go, and eventually you fly off the board. Well, that's what happened to both of us about 50 yards down this hill. Uh, and I saw my brother in front of me. He flies off the board, and he gets about three good steps in before he falls and slides down the rest of the hill. I was a little more experienced, and so I got about five or six steps in before I face-planted full scorpion and then fell down the rest of the hill. But unfortunately, that's how we should run. We got to run so fast that we are no longer relying on ourselves and our abilities to pursue these things, righteousness, faith, and love. We're to run so fast towards Christ that we're relying on him to protect us. Because if we're relying on our own abilities, we're not going to run very fast. Because that's the parameters that we've set for ourselves. You know, we can only do so much. You know, I'll pursue these things when I feel like it, and honestly, when I feel like I'm ready. But if we're running so fast towards righteousness, faith, and love, these things that God is calling us towards, God is going to protect us in doing so. And there is no, or nothing better than a righteous God protecting our movement than anything that we could do. And so we are to pursue those things quickly, righteousness, faith, and love, and we are to flee our youthful passions just as quickly. A lot of times it's going to be a lot easier to run towards a good thing than to flee from a bad thing. Because, once again, we'll convince ourselves that those bad things, those youthful passions, are good things. And so maybe we need a buddy to run with. Thank you to my brother for helping me with that analogy. But we are to, one, identify our passions. And two, we are to flee those things, uh, flee those passions quickly and pursue righteousness quickly. But third, we are to seek a community. Now, part of this we've already talked about. You need a buddy to be able to help identify what some of those youthful passions may be. But where do we see this in the actual passage? So we had, so flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, and love. But if you realize, I, I've been keeping out that word peace because Paul is writing, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, a lot of people tend to read that as righteousness and faith and love and peace. Uh, but the way Paul's writing in a way that would make it more uh, grammatic or it would make more grammatical sense to us is that it's righteousness, faith, and love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That along is not uh, in addition to, it's a prepositional phrase. It means beside or uh, alongside. 
And so he's not calling us to those four things. He's calling us to righteousness, faith, and love, and then peace beside those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, who is someone who calls upon the Lord from a pure heart? Uh, that, that root of that phrase, uh, people who call upon the Lord, that's a callback to an earlier passage in Romans where a Christian is described as somebody who calls upon the Lord. But why is Paul here uh, writing with a little bit more description and more distinction? The uh, call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Well, if you remember back into the context of where we're reading in 2 Timothy, Paul is warning Timothy about some of those false teachings and the preachers proclaiming a false gospel in his area and at that time in the church. And so Paul is specifically telling Timothy and telling us subsequently to find Christians who really know what they're talking about. Even if they really don't know what they're talking about, they don't have to be educated, but they have to believe the truth that God has set in front of us. They have to believe the word of God, and they have to actually mean it. Because it's easy for a lot of us to play Christian. I mean, we can go to church, we can pray when others are praying, and we can even show up to chapel. But that in and of itself is not calling upon the Lord from a pure heart. Once again, I can't know the desires of your heart, and you can't know the desires of mine. So I personally have to make sure that I believe what the Bible says. I believe what God is teaching us. Because we can't join a community that we don't believe the same things. We can be around it. We can surround ourselves with it. You can go to a Christian school. You can go to church. And you can be around other Christians. But that doesn't mean that you believe the same thing. So you have to call upon the Lord from a pure heart. And you must find others who do so as well. So if we are to identify our passions and we are to act quickly and we are to seek our community, that's a way that we can, uh, as Paul states, that we can cleanse ourselves, and we can no longer be a vessel or a tool of wood and clay, but we can become that useful tool for Christ. We can do what it is that Christ wants us to do. And again, this isn't a cleansing that makes us perfect. That's something that we're never going to achieve, but... We are to pursue righteousness and faith and love quickly. <laughs> we are to do these things now. God's plan doesn't revolve around when we feel like we're ready. These are things that we are called to pursue now. But in all actuality, this is a good thing to hear, but how are we actually going to apply it? So first, got to get a godly group. Those are those people who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Those are those people who you know and you trust. And again, you can't know the intentions or the desires of their heart, but after inspecting their fruit, as awkward as that may sound, the fruits of the Spirit, that is, you can know that they are serious about Christ. And they are serious about the Word. And they are serious in knowing that God's Word is the truth. And second of all, you have to identify your blind spots, and you have to let them identify yours, and you have to identify theirs. This is a community that we're in. And that, unfortunately, means being very vulnerable with people that you might not be comfortable being vulnerable with. You have to be able to let somebody tell you that, hey, are you sure this is for Christ or is this for you? You have to be vulnerable enough to let them say, hey, I'm concerned about this area of your life. And you must be able to do that to other people. You have to be able to step up and be concerned with somebody else's life and be concerned because you care about other people. And lastly, you have to plan your, free, or your fleeing strategy because 
um, as easy as it is to run to things that we like blindly, if we're running away from these youthful passions and we don't have a plan, we don't have a place that we are going, then we're just going to run straight back to it. That's just the nature of the beast. That's how we are. If we don't have a plan to where we're going, we're going to go where we know to go. We're going to go where it's comfortable. And God isn't calling us to be comfortable. And so we must have that fleeing strategy, that escape plan. And you have to hold each other accountable. And that goes back to letting others identify your blind spots. But identifying a blind spot isn't the last part. That's not the last thing you have to do. You have to maintain your sight on it. You have to maintain your accountability with your friends, with your community. You need to make sure that you are holding each other accountable and that you are letting somebody hold you accountable. But with all of those things, that is how we can become a useful vessel or a useful tool for God's works. I think I may have gone a little short, but with that, if you guys would like to pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you. Uh, that you have given us your word, and that you have given us the ability to serve you uh, in a way that you have set out for us beforehand. Lord, you don't call us to confusion. You give us uh, these beautiful tools in these uh, passages that help us, help us to know what it is that you want for our lives. So Lord, I thank you uh, for the community that you have placed us in. Lord, help us hold each other accountable. Identify our blind spots. And help us make that fleeing strategy so that we can flee our youthful passions and that we can pursue righteousness, faith, love, and a good community to share it with. So Lord, I thank you for everything that you've done, all that you're doing right here in this moment, and all that you're going to continue to do. And in your precious and holy name I pray.